0: one of these how many of you have a costco card right you've got a costco membership i became a this is this is my card i've been married for 22 years this summer i have never had a costco membership But Renee has always had a Costco membership. I just kind of piggybacked on Renee's membership. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, if you're like a veteran to Costco, you're like, well, why don't you have the spouse's card? Because Renee had the spouse's card. And you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You're the spouse. I know. (laughs) Renee has always carried her mom's spousal card. Her mom is a widow. And so Renee had her card. And so that's how we would get in. We would get into Costco. So whenever we would go to shop, What's that? Legally, yes. This is this is not illegal. Like they know this is, this is like bending the rules. They're not broken. We didn't do anything wrong. I don't have to ask for forgiveness. All right. So <laughs> before this year, earlier this year, right at the very beginning of the year, I needed new glasses. Actually, these glasses. I got new glasses. I needed new glasses, and so I went and I got my my eyes my eyes examined. I got my new prescription. Went to Costco. On Renee's card, got in, I picked out glasses, and did the whole thing. We're like, you know, took all the time. Yet these are the ones. So we sit down, I give the lady my prescription. And she goes, oh, I need your Costco card. And I'm like, "I, I don't have a Costco card, but my wife does. She goes, well, why don't you just use the spouse's card? Again, long story. And she looked at me, and she basically very politely said, no membership, no glasses. I know. They were very firm. See, I could get into the store. I could browse. I could even sample, right? Like Because who doesn't like to go to Costco just for lunch? Free lunch, right? If they got all the samples out, you're sampling all the stuff and you leave. leaving like, I don't have to have lunch now. So I could go and there are some things that I could enjoy. But I could not actually experience the benefits of being a member. All the member benefits. Listen to me. You can come to church and be a part And you can sample some of the stuff that takes place, but not actually be a member of the body of Christ. Okay, now I'm not talking about being a member of this specific church. I'm talking about being a member of the body of Christ. See, you become a member, a part of the body of Christ through salvation, through faith in Jesus. That's how you begin to belong. It's not about church attendance. It's not about how many Sundays a year that you actually show up to a church and you you you, you check the box on, on that whatever, you know, membership card you have in your mind. You're like, yeah, I was there. I was there. You know, 30 Sundays out of 52, I'm officially a member. That's not how it works. See, you can also receive salvation through Jesus. You can be a member of the body of Christ through faith in Jesus. Because as they say, it's... Faith alone, right, in Latin, it's it's sola sola vita. By faith alone. That's how we're saved. But then you miss out on all the benefits. See, the benefits, the blessings, the promises of God are conditional. They are not guaranteed. Salvation is unconditional. It's just by faith. Faith in Jesus alone, you are saved. You have relationship with Christ. But the benefits, the blessings... Those things are not guaranteed. See, it's by faith alone that you're saved, not by good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. But those promises, the rewards, the blessings and benefits are if, then. If we do this, then God does this. Are you with me? I understand, okay. So too often... We are guilty of treating God like he's a genie in a bottle. When we need him, we pull him out. We've got our Bibles. We pull them out and we claim whatever promise that we need in the moment to get what we need or to get what we want. And We wave that around. We stand on it. We declare it. And then when we have it, we go back to living however we want. We cannot live... However we like, and when it suits us, just pull out a promise and claim it, thinking that we have God in handcuffs because it's in his word and he has to do it. It might be in the Bible, but you might want to read the whole book to understand how to take hold of the promises that are there for you and not just toss them around whenever we feel like it. God is always present, right? He is everywhere all the time. David wrote in Psalms 139, he goes, where can I go from your presence? He said, if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the depths of Sheol, that's the place of the dead, you are there. Where can I go from you? The answer is nowhere. You can go nowhere where God is not. Even though God is everywhere all the time, we are control whether whether or not we experience his presence right that's that's our that's our part the part that we have control over have you ever wondered why that sometimes you know as 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 followers of Jesus we feel his presence and then other times that we don't because he's everywhere all the time so why don't I feel him all the time. Or if you look back over your life and you're like there's these moments where I had this incredible encounter with God. And he showed up and I met with him and I was wrecked and changed and transformed. What's the difference from that moment to like Monday morning pre-coffee? Eesh. If we're honest, those are ugly moments. It's how we it's how we position ourselves. See, it's my responsibility to pursue God. It's my responsibility to prioritize His presence, to live my life according to Scripture, to be a man of character, to be a man of integrity, to be a man of holiness. To be holy as He is holy. That's how we position ourselves in His presence at all times. Now, as, as we are we're, we're a charismatic church, we are a Pentecostal church, so we have an emphasis on the encounter and on the experience with God's presence. We believe that we can feel His felt presence. His presence will, will rest on you, and you can feel it with your physical body, even though He is not physical in the body, right? So we, we prioritize and we emphasize that, that experiential faith. But there are times... When he, when he removes that from us and doesn't allow us to feel his presence, and that's where we walk by faith, right? We walk by faith and not by the encounter. We walk by faith and not by the experience, because the word tells us he is everywhere all the time. The word tells us that he will never leave us and never turn his back on us. And so whether I feel him or not, I know he is there. Whether I feel alone or not, I know I'm not alone. See, when we live our lives this way, when we prioritize His presence, when we live our lives according to the principles of Scripture, when we live our lives in in holiness and in character and in integrity, pursuing His presence, then we experience the presence of God. And today we're going to talk about the presence of God who is present to cover us. We're going to read from Psalms chapter 91. And I'm going to read from the New International, um, no, the New Living Translation, which is not this. That's why you're not going to see me open this. This is, this is my NASB. All right, Psalms 91. We're going to read the whole thing from the New Living Translation. It says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors at night nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for He will order His angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. And I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. And I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. And I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. And there are five specific promises within this psalm that God makes available to us. We will be under the care of heaven, we will be delivered from the power of darkness with supernatural protection. We will be protected by angels, we will have victory over our enemies. And we will be God's favorites. That kind of summarizes all the promises that are in there. And they're repeated and restated in different ways. Who wouldn't want these things from God? See, but the entire chapter, the entire psalm, and the promises here are hinged on the very first two verses. Verse number one says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High. Those who live in the shelter of of the most high. And verse number 2 says he alone is my refuge and safety. My God in whom I trust. That's the that's the if, right? These are the promises of God. That's the the if. If we dwell in his shelter, if he alone is our refuge, if in him alone I trust, then We'll be under the care of heaven. We'll be delivered from the power of darkness. Protected by angels. Have victory over our enemies and be God's favorites. This is an if-then passage. So I have to ask. I I read this passage and I ask myself and I want to encourage you. You have to ask yourself. Do I live in the shelter of God? Or do I just visit every once in a while? What is the position of my heart towards Jesus? Does he have my all? Do I live with him and do I live for him? Because Jesus isn't looking for Airbnb tenants. He's looking for people that will live in his presence. He's not looking for visitors. He's looking for people that will do life with him. That will live in his presence. will prioritize his presence see, it's all of us for all of him. <laughs> it's not another card that you stick in your wallet saying, I'm a member. This is how you live your life. This is a lifestyle. All of me for all of him. When you say yes to Jesus, it's not an occasional yes. It's an every day, every minute, all the time, always Yes. That's how we live in his shelter. That's how we make him our refuge. That's how we make him our place of safety. It's where do you run to when you need help? Without thinking, oh man, I should take a moment and pray. What's the reaction? What's that initial response when you need something, when there's when there's danger, when there's an issue, is it I'm gonna is it I'm gonna control everything that I can possibly control to get myself through it? I'm gonna will my way through it, or is your first initial response, man? I need to get into the safe place. I need to get into the secret place. I need to get into the shelter of the Most High. It's building our lives with Jesus. It's making history with. It's trusting him always, even when it hurts, and even when we don't understand. Even when you cannot feel his presence, it's trusting him always. Because he is trustworthy. And even though he never had to, not ever, not once, he has proven himself over and over and over and over again. So we clearly do not have time to go through all five promises. Not unless you guys are, I want to buckle in for an 80-minute sermon. I heard one, amen. <laughs> I won't take the single amen as the rule of thumb for everyone else. Someone else is like, good glory, he's got five minutes, I got to get out of here. So I'm going to let you take Psalm 91 and chew on it all week long. Read it over and over, pray it over your life. But we're going to touch on two, maybe three promises. The first one we're going to hit is we will be under the care of heaven. We find this promise in verses 1 and 4. Verse 1 says that we will find rest. I mean, so many people in our day and age are living without rest. Sure, they might take time off work. Sure, they might vacation. They might stop from doing that, you know, you know just kind of take pause and pull out of the rat race. But there's no rest because real rest isn't not working. It's internal peace that comes from knowing Jesus. And not just knowing him and not just saying yes to him. But living in the shelter. It's, it's, it's when, when he is the one that you trust alone. That's it. You don't trust your bank account. You don't trust your, your heritage, your family line. You don't trust your, your place of employment. Your house, None of those things. But you trust him alone. That's where real rest comes from. See, it's peace in our inner world that gives us true peace in our outer world, right? You know, the, 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 there's the story of where, where Jesus is in the boat and he's asleep in the front and all the disciples are panicking because they're in the midst of the storm and they're taking on water. And, and if we, we realize this, they are, they are experienced sailors in the boat and experienced sailors, fishermen who spent their lives on the water are panicking and thinking they are going to die they wake Jesus up and say do you not care that we're going to die that we are going to drown and Jesus is asleep in the front of the boat and he gets up and he speaks peace be still and instantly the wind stops and the waves calm and the sea is like glass because jesus took the peace he had on the inside and he just released it to the outside see when you've got peace on the inside you can sleep through the storm if you find yourself awake tossing and turning through the storms of life it's not that you're going through the storms of life that's the problem it's the problem is you haven't found and connected with the inner peace that comes from really knowing and trusting jesus I mean, we can throw out trusting Jesus as a as a as a as a catchphrase, as a pat answer to people who are just going through it, man. You just need to trust Jesus. Sure, yeah, those two words are easier said than done. Trust Jesus, right? But when you're in the midst of it, it's a lot harder just to trust Jesus. And no one wants to hear, man. You just need to trust Jesus because you know I'm going through it. It's rough, and you just you know you. Kind of want to throttle the person who's just like, yeah, just trust Jesus. Being real, right? If you have, if you haven't been there, shoot me a text message the day that you get there. You just want to slap someone who gives you the pat answer. Just trust Jesus. But you got to really find it on the inside. It's not a pat answer. See, the care of heaven brings rest to our soul. Verse number four says, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. I know we've shared this story off and on throughout the years. But it's so worth telling again. It was about 11 years ago. Renee and I were leading a missions team to the Czech Republic. And after traveling for 30 hours, you know, you got layovers and missed flights and bus rides and everybody's exhausted. We stepped into our hotel, which was really more of like, it was really more of like a a bed and breakfast. It was like, it was a big building in someone's backyard. And so it it wasn't a, 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 you know, when I say hotel, don't picture a hotel, picture you coming into a house. And we're standing in the entryway of the house and we're talking with the pastor whose name is Larry. Uh, or, you know, in Czech it's Ladislav, but he goes by Larry. So we're talking with Larry and he's like, okay, I'll come back, back in the morning and pick you up. This is what's going to happen. And nailed to the side of the wall, there is a a—it's a blue piece. I can picture it so clearly if I close my eyes. There's a blue piece of paper inside a plastic Sheath, like it's just a, a a case, and it's hanging it's hanging on the wall, and somebody just reaches in and they grab it. I don't know why, because they can't read it anyway. But they take it out and they're looking at it. Behind the blue piece of paper, there's a feather that's like this long, and I think everybody kind of noticed it and we're like staring at, it, but nobody's saying anything because you're exhausted, and we're like, huh, and then the the paper goes back in. And uh, the next day we're having our our, our team meeting. And Stephanie shares the story. She's like, I need to share something with you guys. She had been praying into the missions trip for, you know, the weeks leading up to it. And God had given her this promise from Psalm 91 verse 4. That he will cover you with his wings and under, with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. God gave that to her as a promise over over the trip. And she had started to see feathers leading up to the trip. And when she, I think she almost fell out under the power of God when that, when that piece of paper came out. And there's this huge feather there. And so we were just like, we we're captivated by her story and the promise that God gave her. And so then when Pastor Larry came to pick us up in the morning, we asked him, we're like, Hey, dude, did you see the feather in that plastic when we took the paper out? And he's like, yeah, I saw that. We're like, what is that? Is that like some kind of like Czech Republic tradition? Is it? He's like, no, that's no Czech thing. I have no idea what that is. Like, he was kind of like, that was a little weird. I thought that was strange when that feather w- was in there. It was a sign from God saying, I've got you covered. You're, you are in the safe place. You are protected. For the rest of the trip, we, we saw feathers wherever we went. The, like, there would be no birds, but feathers falling in front of us as we walked down the street. Right? There would just be feathers blowing along. There's like no birds. There's nothing. We would just see these feathers everywhere was such an incredible sign and a wonder there was another time Renee and I were walking through a difficult season at, a, at another church and we showed up early we, we did this through, often we showed up early in the morning and we walked the um walked the sanctuary and we would just pray And I was walking back and forth across the front, back and forth. And I was just pacing, kind of wearing like a path in the carpet, back and forth, back and forth. And and, and I I looked at the floor when I I walked this way and I turned. And in the middle of of where I've been walking, there was a white feather on the ground. And so I walked over to it and I picked it up. And I said, Renee, did you see this feather on the ground? And we'd been in the room for like 30 minutes already. And she goes, no, that was, I said, it was right here on the ground. It wasn't like under a chair. And she goes, no, that, that, that wasn't there. I kept that feather. It's not so pretty anymore because it's smashed in, in, in the crease of Psalms 91. But that was such a sign to us that day. God saying, you are with us. It was one of the most difficult seasons of ministry that we had been in up to that time. And he was saying, I've got you covered. I'm sheltering you. I'm protecting you. The second promise that I want to look at is actually... The second promise, we will be delivered from the power of darkness with a supernatural protection. We find that in verses 3 and then 5 through 8. The presence of God is present to cover us and to rescue us from every hidden trap that the enemy sets in our path. See, the enemy is at work in and around your life, setting traps that you might fall into them that will keep you from, f- from fulfilling your destiny. They will steal your hope and your dreams because he is ultimately looking to destroy your faith in Jesus and destroy your life, right? John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his mission in your life, to steal everything from you, all of your hopes and your dreams, to destroy you and to kill you. I heard a pastor who was a friend of mine one time spoke a message called the devil hates you. That was his entire point that the devil hates you. He is out to steal, kill, and destroy. We find these hidden traps come through distractions and temptations, relational difficulties. And then sometimes decisions that come our way that God is not in but they just look real good. Right, we have, we have these things that come our way in life and like, man, that looks like such a good opportunity. Then sometimes we fall trapped to the good opportunity because we never stop and ask, God, is this your opportunity for me? Right, even as a, even as a church, we will have lots of good things, to, opportunities to do good things. I don't want to just do good things, I want to do the God things. And the God things for us may not be the same thing as the church down the street, And so we can't get caught up in just doing good things. We have to keep our eyes open for what is God actually asking us to do? What is God asking you to do? And not just be distracted and fill our lives up with all these good things. We're so busy that when a real God opportunity comes, we don't have time to do it. Teaching the disciples to pray, Jesus had them partner with this promise. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, when the enemy comes to attack or tempt you, the presence of God is there to cover you. Listen, First John chapter 5 and verse 18 says, We know that anyone born of God, this is someone who has said yes to Jesus, does not keep on sinning. The one who, the, and this is so when I just speak it out loud, you miss it. So the one, capital O, so this is in reference to Jesus. The one who was born of God, Jesus, protects him who was born of God, us. Okay? So the one who was born of God protects us who've been born of God, and the evil one cannot touch them. He has you covered. The only way that you are not covered is when you uncover yourself and you step outside of that. You stop living for his presence. You stop living a life of integrity and holiness and character and you fill your life up with junk. Then you uncover yourself and the enemy is like, I've got you right where I want you because now I can see you and now I can touch you. Think of, think of, the, think of, think of the enemy. Think of Satan like this. A vicious dog that is on a chain staked in the middle of a yard. You step inside that circle. Man he's got you. That's where you uncover yourself. But when you stay covered. When you stay in the secret place. In the shelter. The evil one cannot touch you. You don't have to fear the hidden traps that are set before you. Because he promises to reveal those things. Before you get caught in them. One of one of the prayers I pray more than... than than other things is Jesus revealed the hidden traps show me where the enemy is lying in wait and guide me away from there show me the hidden trap there's been so many times that after praying that and you're like looking at an opportunity and you're like okay God is this should I make this decision or or or, 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 or not? And and praying, God, show me the hidden traps and not not having peace to go one way, so I go another way. And then after the fact, finding out, ah, I see you were lying in wait for me there. That was a hidden trap that I almost stepped in if I wouldn't have if I wouldn't have listened. Here's the key to this though. When you feel uneasy or when you feel a hesitation or you have a lack of peace, stop. Just stop. Don't go any farther. Because that's the Holy Spirit warning you of what you don't know and what you don't see. Even when you're looking at the landscape of it going, man, everything looks good. Everything looks great. This is an incredible opportunity. But you don't have peace and stop because you don't see everything. And we don't know everything. And so we've got to rely on the one that sees and knows everything to warn us of the stuff that we don't see. I've talked with so many people in hindsight, have been like, man, I, I didn't have peace and I went anyway. And now they are just in the middle of hurt and pain that ultimately they caused themselves because they didn't listen. So when you've got that that lack of peace, then you stop and you don't proceed, you don't make the decision. You follow your Peace. to say you have to listen to the warning even when you don't understand listen to the warning god also promises to deliver us not only from darkness but the fear of darkness he not only promises to deliver us from evil but it's the fear of evil the fear of those bad things that will happen verses five and six say do not be afraid do not dread do not worry see this is the fear of the potential of what could happen The promise is that he will deliver us from the power of darkness or the power of of, of evil and the fear of those things. So if his promise is that he will deliver us from, from evil and from the power of darkness in our lives, then why would we be afraid of what could happen when we've already been told what will happen? What will happen is we will be delivered so there's nothing to be afraid of. See, we're afraid of the unknown, but you already know it. It's not unknown. What's known is that he promised you that he would deliver you. That's what's known, right? And so don't, don't forget that he's always already promised deliverance, so there's nothing for you to be afraid of. Even when you can't see, even when you can't see that next step, or it looks really bad. Yeah, it might look really bad, but you've already been promised deliverance, so there's nothing to be afraid of. And it doesn't matter if you can't see it coming. That's the terrors of night. That's the dread at night. Because deliverance is your promise. Even if it's something that's coming at you so boldly as to come in plain sight at midday right in your face. Deliverance is your promise. People might be falling all around you. It will not touch you because deliverance is your promise. When you live in his presence you are covered. And deliverance is your promise. All right. Last one. Number four. We will have victory over our enemies. There is not a fight. There is not a battle. There is not a struggle that we can't win. You are destined to be victors in every situation. Now does that, not, does that mean that you're not going to struggle? No. You are going to struggle. You're going to have hard times. You're going to go through difficult situations. Things aren't going to go your way. People are going to stab you in the back. They're going to wound your heart. Your, your spirit's going to get hurt. You're going to have the opportunity to be, to be uh, uh, offended and angry and bitter and jealous. Thank, praise Lord. You will struggle. Because there's not a person on the planet that's going to make it through life without some battle scars, without some wounds, without the opportunity to be angry and bitter. But just because the opportunity presents itself doesn't mean you have to be angry and bitter. Doesn't mean you have to be offended. Those are, those are your choices. You choose to be angry, you choose to be offended, and you choose to be bitter. I know that's hard to hear what it does mean though is that if i do not quit if i do not give up then i win i win every time as long as i do not quit and i do not give up now some might say well what about what about those people who are who are martyred and who are killed for their faith in jesus did they win just show me how they lost i don't i don't see any losing there well well, well what about what about those who are persecuted and imprisoned and they're beaten for their faith Well, Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 5. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm not seeing where they're losing. I'm seeing where they're going through trials and difficulties and troubles. Read the end of the book. We win. Listen, the, the, the promise... The promise isn't that you will win every battle because sometimes we lose a battle because of our own actions, our own thoughts, or our own inactions. We cause ourselves to lose sometimes because we step outside of living, living in the presence of Jesus. And we make choices to be angry and offended and to lash out in, re- in, in, like, in like reaction to what happens to us. And so we lose the battle. And then we're sitting on the ground in the dirt and we're hurt and we're wounded. And we're like, I thought you told me I was going to win every battle. And Jesus is like, you did that one without me. See, he doesn't control those things. He doesn't control your thoughts, your actions, and your choices. I know we like to say God is in control, but he's really not. God is in charge. And there's a big difference from being in control and being in charge. In control means that you are doing and directing guiding everything is in your control. So if God is in control, then every good thing is 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 him and every bad thing is him. And we know that he's he's a good God and he doesn't do bad things. So he's not in control, he's in charge. And he's sovereignly moving us towards an ultimate destiny. He doesn't control your, your choices. See, but the end, the promise is that in the end, we will crush the enemy, right? The devil is called a roaring lion in 1 first, first Peter 5. In, the, in, in Genesis, the, the devil is a serpent. In in Revelation, he's a red dragon. But the promise is, is, is a direct decree that we will crush the devil under our, under our feet through the power of Jesus in and through us. Paul writes in Romans 16 and verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Under your feet. Paul's writing. He's not talking about Jesus. He's writing to believers. And he says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You are destined to crush Satan. You might be sitting there thinking, Well, I don't feel like an overcomer. I don't feel like I'm crushing Satan. I feel like more like I'm getting crushed, like I'm in the wine press and I'm getting crushed and destroyed every time I turn around. I don't feel like I'm winning. I don't feel like I'm victorious. It feels like the weight of life is just squeezing everything out of me. So I know. I get it. I've been there more than once where it felt like, Man, I, I don't know if I can make it out of this. I don't know if I'm going to get through this. And it feels like just the weight of life is crushing you, and you're taking hits from all sides. I felt there's been times in my life where I've felt more like a failure than a warrior. Yeah. I felt like an undercomer rather than an overcomer. And I've been there. I don't there's nobody in this room that hasn't been there. Some of us, you might be there right now. Like I said before, there's no pat answers. There's nothing I'm going to say and be like, well, just trust Jesus. You know, all of those. That's that's not it. There's no pat answers. I'm not going to give you a good Christian one-liner that's going to pick you up and make you an overcomer the moment you walk out the door. But what I can tell you is I can give you two things that will help you. Number one is truth. Capital T, truth. Truth will help you get through. The truth is that God has promised that we will have victory over our enemies. Romans 9.28 says, and we know that God causes everything, say everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes for them. If it's not good, it's not the end. Do not stop. Do not quit. Do not stop. Because God will bring you out on top as long as you love Him and are called and and are living according to His purposes. See, that's another one of those if-then verses. You can't live however you want and be like, well, God works all things together for good. Sorry, friend, not for you. You know, I'm you're living like the devil. I don't know how you can say I'm living according to God's purposes in my life. I know, that's hard. Listen, it doesn't mean that today it's gonna get better. Maybe, maybe today it gets better, but it also might take some time. You might you might have to walk through some valleys. You might have to experience some dark nights of the soul. You might have to walk through some hard times. But in the end, it will be good. If it's not the end, don't stop. Just keep going. The second thing that helps when you feel like you're losing a life is community. You can't go it alone. We are not created to go through life on a solo expedition. So if you don't have community around you that can lift you up, that can walk with you, that can call you, that can pray with you, that can do life with you, man, you are in trouble. There are about 60 one another commands and verses in the Bible. Right, Love one another, honor one another, care for one another, bear with one another, comfort one another. You can't give or receive or be part of the one another's if you're doing it alone. You're just the one. You need another. To love one another, you need another. So if you don't have another, find another. So that you can experience the one another's. And when you can't go, when you can't do it on your own, someone comes along and comforts one another, carries one another, bears with one another. Truth and community—that's how you're going to get through. All right, let's stand. So there's two other promises that you get to discover on your own. Maybe another time we'll come back to Psalms 91. Listen, life with Jesus is unlike anything else ever. And I know I've said this before. I'll say it probably a thousand times more. I have never, not ever, not even once regretted my decision to follow Jesus and give my life to him. He promises that he will answer us every time we call. That he will be with us, that we will, we will have his presence in times of trouble. He promises to honor us, to give us a long life, to cover us. The presence of God is present to cover. If we live in his shelter, in the secret place, under the shadow of his wing. If we trust him alone and he alone is our refuge, then we will be covered. wants to be covered come on if you're here today and you haven't said yes to Jesus and you're like man I'm not covered I don't I don't have that I haven't been living my life for him and given my life to him and you want to you're like that's I need that I'm so tired of doing it alone just just slip a hand up so I know I want to pray on. I know who I'm praying for. If you're online, throw the little hand emoji up or just say, that's me. We've got people online who will pray with you. Jesus, I don't presume to know everybody's spiritual state. That's for you and you alone to judge. God, I pray by your Holy Spirit that if there's somebody here at the sound of my voice in person or online and they don't know you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would not let them rest. That you, Holy Spirit, would trouble and pursue them until they surrender their lives to you. God, I pray that you would meet them in the night seasons when they are asleep and all their defenses are down and you would visit them in their dreams, God. God, I'm, I'm asking. For the salvation of those that have never known you. Holy Spirit, I pray that there would come an increase in our city, in our area, in our time of the conviction of God. That you are drawing people back to Jesus. Father, that, that we would step into as a church community. We would step into a time and a season where week after week after week after week after week we would see people giving their hearts to Jesus. And by the ones and by the twos, God, and even by the, by the masses, Lord, that we would see people that don't have a clue who you are just surrender their lives to you. Father, that's what we're asking for, that we would bring people into your presence and under your covering. God, awaken a city to the reality of the saving presence of Jesus Christ in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.